Welcome to Sleep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Magmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I am doing great, guys. Welcome back to a brand new episode. I am super excited for this one. So, for those of you who may have missed the last episode that got uploaded a few days ago, I came back and I did a news, reviews, and updates type of episode just to kind of bring you up to speed. Uh, where things have been in my life for the past month, Uh, give you some mini reviews of movies I've been catching on Netflix for horror movies for this month, and then I explain to you about how this episode is going to work, the uh, Masoonist Top 10 uh, horror movies of all time, super excited for this. Now, just in case you missed the last episode, I'll kind of give you basically a rundown of how things are going to work on this one. Now, typically... Somebody does their list, they go 10 to 1 because obviously 1 is the most important. That's the one everybody can't wait to hear what your number 1 is. But in my case, everybody knows what my number 1 is. I mean, we all know that it's 1978 John Carpenter's Halloween. Uh, It was the first series that I ever did on STL. It was one of my favorite series that I've ever done. It was super fun times to go through that series and kind of, uh, you know, dissect it a little bit and... You know, it's been about two years, roughly, since I did that, you know, series. And recently, I did a whole rewatch on Blu-ray of the whole series, and I did a marathon. Uh, My friend, my wife, and I, we got together, and we watched a whole bunch of these movies all together one night. So I'm going to kind of go through how that marathon went in a little bit. But it got me thinking, you know, everybody does their horror list, you know, their top 10 horror list. And I'm like, well, everybody knows what my number one is. And I would definitely say my list has changed uh, in the past two or three years of what my favorite horror movies are. And the reason why I was going to do a list like this is to kind of change it up a little bit is to go from one to 10. You know, everybody knows it's Halloween. So when I watch a horror movie, everything is based off the DNA, if you will, of that movie since you know I still hold it as the greatest horror movie of all time it really helps me determine how much I love a horror movie and where it does it fit so I figure I build my list off of that you know explain why this movie fits in this particular number what is it that I love so much about it how does it kind of remind me of Halloween and just kind of go from there I think it kind of be a little bit interesting and a little bit different you know maybe somebody has done a list like this before going from one to ten maybe they have maybe i'm the only one i don't know but with that being said it's going to be fun to talk these movies kind of go down memory lane a little bit and just have some fun for about an hour or so so let's talk about uh, halloween you know i've done a whole episode on john carpenter's halloween i really don't I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on why I love it so much, but I guess kind of in a nutshell, maybe if you're a new listener and you haven't gone back to that, but you know, the, what's so fantastic about it is Michael Myers is definitely my favorite slasher, if you will, of all time. Uh, you know, he's human and he is not like Jason or Freddie where they're already dead or a zombie and they always come back to life. But Michael Myers is actually a person who's alive. And I like to consider him to be the devil incarnate, if you will. He's the ultimate evil. You know, evil never dies, They like, as they like to say. The first movie is just so fantastic. Pure suspense. The score is one of the greatest scores I've ever heard in my whole entire life. 
it's just it's beautiful it's it's a fantastic cinematography wise movie there's a lot of beautiful shots a lot of iconic shots one of the things i really enjoy about the movie is there's very little blood to the movie there's just a little bit of blood in the beginning and a little bit of blood uh throughout the movie but for the most part i would not consider that a slasher movie but it's supposedly the birth of the slasher genre now part two is definitely a slasher film and I'll I'll get more into that a little bit later. But the movie is just so great because the score is just so fantastic. It it really just it starts off with a bang. Uh, I love the little screw ups, if you will, because of the fact it's an independent movie. You know, those kind of give it its little charm where you can see somebody smoking or you could see palm trees in the back. You know, just like with the Karate Kid, how I point out there's a fog machine there or there's a screw up here or the timeline is jacked up here. Everything, those are kind of what makes the movie so great and has character, if you will, because of those little screw ups. So, Needless to say, the series I did a rewatch of just uh, last weekend, actually. My friend Nick, for those of you who are my wrestling buddies, you guys know Nick. Me and him jack around a lot in the Face vs. Heel Facebook group. But uh, his mom bought the Halloween collector's set that I was telling you guys about on the last episode. And, of course, it has the 10 movies. It has 1 through 8 And then it also has the Rob Zombie movies. Now, I specifically said, and we're kind of in agreement on this, that, you know, three doesn't exist because it is its own movie. It's kind of like, you know, a Twilight Zone type of movie. Doesn't have nothing to do with Michael Myers. It's its movie in its own right. Uh, We both agree that Halloween Resurrection does not exist. The series ends on H2O and the Rob Zombie stuff does not exist. So essentially the agreement was we're going to watch one, two, four, five, six, and six being the producer's cut because I wanted to see the producer's cut finally on Blu-ray and then finish the series off with H2O. Now it wasn't coming over until about seven o'clock and uh, I did let my daughter uh, watch this with us. You know, she, uh, I let her watch Michael Myers uh, early on, I figured, you know, why the hell not? I did when I was a kid. She's here. It's all good. So so I, she tried her hardest to stay up. She made it through part one and half of part two. Uh, and finally, we moved on to number four. By the time I got through five, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it through the rest of the night. But luckily, Mountain Dew Game Fuel, I was just talking about last episode, was out. I, I did a whole bunch of that. So by like uh, two in the morning, I finally hit six, threw in six, and by the time six was over, we decided we'll go to bed and we'll watch H2O in the morning. You know, watching the series over again, you know, it's definitely, I would say it goes in order. You know, it's uh, one is my favorite, two is my second favorite, three and four would actually be my third favorite. You would think it would be H2O. But 4 has a really special place in my heart. Even though I hate the mask, the mask is the worst in the series. It's got the most vibe of part 1. It's got fantastic score. Yeah, Jamie, you know, Daniel Harris is super solid. I really like the way everything looks. It's just it's really creepy. It still has a scary vibe to it. 5 is pretty laughable. 6 
producer's cut was really terrible. So it definitely made the theatrical version way better than it actually is. And then H2O uh, is definitely fantastic if you're talking trilogy-wise with Laurie Strode. But it's kind of splitting hairs at this moment in time. But I definitely like 4 better than H2O. But like I said, it's splitting hairs. Today I like H2O better than 4. Tomorrow I like 4 over H2O. The thing that kind of puts H2, uh, H2O over H is number one, I like everybody in the movie, even the douchebags and, and, the, and the female slut, if you will, that gets the shotgun in. H2O, some of the teenagers are a little bit annoying. The music in H2O, there's very little of Halloween score in there. A lot of it, which... A lot of it comes from Scream, you know, and that really annoys the hell out of me. There's a new composer for H2O and some of it's original, but if you read, some of it actually comes from Scream and I could totally hear it and that just really pisses me off. And H and, and part four has all the iconic, you know, notes and score of part one and two. So four to me is slightly better than H2O, but... I would say score-wise, they probably tie in their rating, actually. You know, like on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give each of them an 8. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 like I said, it's it's splitting hairs. Tomorrow, I like H2O better than 4. Uh, H2O, I definitely hate the thing with the mask is they made the eyes too big. You're not supposed to be able to see Michael Myers' eyes, and you can see his eyes in that mask. So that kind of takes away from the scary factor of Michael Myers. Some people like it. I don't. Michael Myers is supposed to be a blank, you know, pale, uh, you, you know, just an empty vessel. And in H2O, he's clearly a guy behind a mask, which kind of takes away from his creep factor. But I would definitely rank him as 1, 2, 4, H2O, 5, 6. And yeah, that's how I would rank it. And then, of course, uh, the worst of the worst would be Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, Rob Zombie. Uh, actually, I put Resurrection. I go Hall- Re- Halloween 2, Rob Zombie is the worst, followed by Resurrection, then Rob Zombie, Halloween, and then Season of the Witch uh, is how I would probably rank that. Uh, the worst of the worst being Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, and the least of the worst would be Season of the Witch. So going through all those again, which obviously I didn't see three, but I, I watched it last year and resurrection. I'll never watch again. And neither will I watch the Rob zombie trash. That's kind of how I would rank it. It was definitely fun pulling off a marathon when you're watching it, you know, all the way through, you can't help, but make fun of, you know, I was definitely doing Michael Myers commentary throughout the thing, which was fun. Me and Nick had a good time doing that. But overall, it was super fun. It's still my favorite horror series of all time. It was great to revisit that. And just reminded me so much of why one is still the greatest horror movie. So uh, with that being said, let's roll on to number two of my favorite horror movies of all time. And when we get through the rest of this list, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Maybe understand where I'm coming from with this list. Maybe even agree with it or be like, yeah, I totally forgot about that one. Number two is probably the only one that uh, maybe might be a little head scratching, if you will. I've actually had people give me crap for it in the past, but the way I look at it is it's my list. You have your own list. I have my own. You know, why do you have to give somebody crap over something like that? You know, uh, so I, I usually just tell those people go screw themselves if they don't like my number two. Uh, and that's Halloween, too. I shot him six times. What? 
I shot him six times. I, I shot him in the heart. I, I can't have gotten very far. Come on. I shot him six times. Yeah. This guy, this man is... This actually makes perfect sense why it would be number two for a couple different reasons. Number one, Halloween is my favorite horror movie of all time. And number two, not only is the second best of the series, but the most comparable to the original. Uh, Number one, John Carpenter wrote this movie. Uh, John Carpenter, you know, when he made the first movie, he really set out to only make one movie. And when it's an independent film, you're not thinking you're going to get a sequel. So he made the ending the way he did. You know, evil never dies. Evil is out there, you know, and then all of a sudden they make a crap load of money. They tell him, hey, you got to make a part two. And he has like, yeah, right. I have no idea what I would even do a part two. All I know is I don't want to direct it. Why would I want to direct the same movie twice? So after he sits down one night, has a couple of drinks, maybe a lot of drinks in his drunk, comes up with the idea to make Laurie Strode Michael Myers' sister. And then they film all the TV stuff, uh, which you see on the extended cut of Halloween of Michael Myers knowing that Laurie Strode is his sister. Now here's the thing with part two. Uh, the reason why part two is so great. Number one, the score is fantastic. Of course, it's the John Carpenter score. But I actually like the theme song a tad bit better because it's so gothic. When you're having it come through that organ, it's so creepy. It sounds so awesome. It's so excellent. And then the whole the whole movie is built just like the first one. You know, you have those Michael Myers just in the background images. You know, one of my favorite shots in the film is Michael Myers by the babies. And you have the nurses talking to each other. And you look through the glass and you just see Michael Myers staring and stuff. Now, granted, Dick Warlock is the new Michael Myers. His face was a little bit too big to fit in the mask this is the exact same mask that we had in part one however three years later the latex is starting to wear off so that's why it looks a little bit different but it is the exact same mask that nick castle wore in the first one just the coloring is a little bit off because the latex is wearing away but that's why his face looks you know the shape of his face looks a little bit different because he was bigger than nick castle and the walk is a little bit stiffer than it was in the first one but that's okay now a lot of people say well this one is way more violent than the first movie well there's a perfect explanation to this one here all right so michael myers he kills the first time as he's a kid uses a knife okay he comes out and he doesn't really know what he wants to do i mean he kills the guy in the truck to get his jumpsuit then he will eventually kill bob and he kills uh you know annie And then, uh, you know, the other blonde, of course, Linda. Now, he wasn't really creative with his kills. Now, I'm telling you this. Michael Myers, for the most part, does a stalking the whole movie. But by the end of the movie, the guy gets jacked up. Number one, he gets shot six times. He gets thrown out of a window. He's bleeding all over the place. Well, I'm telling you what. I'm stepping up my game. I'm going to be pissed off, too. I'm going to take a hammer and I'm going to shove it in some guy's head. I'm going to take a needle and I'm going to shove it in somebody's eye. You know, because at this point in the game, I'm pissed off. I'm more confident. I'm starting to understand my kills better. So it makes perfect sense. Now, keep in mind, these these crazy kills are actually directed by John Carpenter. So the guy, no, he's in the same mindset that I am. That, look, Michael Myers, he started off slow. He's got confidence and he's pissed off. 
he doesn't want to just use the same old butcher knife. In fact, he actually downgrades and he uses a scalpel, you know? So he's got a lot of confidence in this one. So, but like I said, outside of the obviously more violence than the first one it actually fits it does fit perfectly despite the fact that at this point in the game and the horror genre we're starting to get a lot more violence it actually makes sense for the story even the characters in this movie despite the fact jamie lee curtis has a bad wig i like everybody even the douchey doctors and stuff like that everybody's real likable it has the same feel it helps that we have the same cinematographer dean um i believe dean Coons is his name we have the same cin- cinematographer as we have in the first one so the music is the is the same score but it's more of an organ base making it more gothic the chase scenes there's like three chases in this that make it that much intense i still get freaked out man when laurie is in the basement trying to get away from michael myers and it's all red light shot effects uh we have the fantastic shot of michael myers coming out of the shadows before he sticks the needle in one of the nurse's head uh, it's it's just a reminiscent of part one and then of course Lori coming out of the car screaming for help and she can't get anything out of her mouth she just screams help but nothing will come out Michael Myers is there pops out of the corner with the red light hitting his face and he and she runs just like part one hits the door trying to ask people to open it it's just it's the closest I can ever get to Halloween because it's part of the same series so that's why Halloween 2 is definitely my second favorite horror movie of all time because it's so close to perfection of the first movie and there'll never be another Halloween sequel as good as Halloween 2 I don't care what you say there's no way in hell they will ever top this it's fantastic so that's my number two and uh, probably the most controversial but you know what it does actually make sense if you really think about it so Let's move on to number three. Now, before I get into my number three, I do want to just say for the record, there is no more Halloweens on this list. It's just one and two. Those are the only ones worthy enough to be in a top ten. So have no fear. You're not going to hear any more Halloweens uh, as we continue on. Now, number three is a film that still to this day I have not seen in the daytime. I only watch it at night, and I'm sure that's what keeps its creep factor, scare factor alive. And just when I think about it, it just it brings a smile to my face because I have so much joy watching this movie because it's still uh, I still can't find a movie to top this one. There's one close, but I still haven't found one to top this werewolf movie. Uh, As you know, I've reviewed this last year. Uh, Number three is Silver Bullet. Now, this has been in my top three spot for, oh, I'd say about 15 years. This is a movie that. I constantly go back to and I'm just like, wow, this movie is just still scares me to this day. couple different things of why this movie is fantastic. Number one, the score is excellent, uh, especially whenever the werewolf shows up. There's this real, um, it's just, there's a sound effect they do that is just so effective and just really scares the living hell out of you. Uh, number two, 
This is the only horror movie that I know of in existence that has a happy ending. I can't think of any other one that has a happy ending. Brother and sister, they embrace it at the end, say I love you, happy song is played, no cheap scare. So if you know a horror movie that has a happy ending, please let me know because this is the only one that I know of. But uh, I was a big Corey Haim fan at this time. It's really cool because this is like, you know, I saw this almost at his age. So one of the reasons it's like the never-ending story, it has so much impact is because whenever I'd see the Mork and, you know, the the Gamork in uh, Never-Ending Story, which is still the scariest creature I've ever seen in my life. I don't care what anybody says, that thing still scares the hell out of me. I always ran away from my TV thinking it was going to jump out. But, you know, Corey, Corey Haim, it was like I was Corey Haim. You know, all those adventures he took in his wheelchair, especially the fireworks scene, still to this day, man, gives me the willies when I think about it. It's so effective. The shots are fantastic. The music is great. The werewolf is definitely the second best looking werewolf I've ever seen. I used to think it was the first until I saw Dog Soldiers. Dog Soldiers is the second best werewolf movie there is. Unfortunately, there's a lot of crappy werewolf movies out there. I've have not found a lot of werewolf movies that are actually good. Most of them, 99.5% of the time, are complete and utter trash. But this one has a fantastic story. Uh, you know, it only comes out on the full moon. Uh, you're dealing, the kid is the hero. The kid is the only one that we have all felt that way where nobody believes the kid. The kid knows something. The parents don't want to believe. Gary Busey is in this movie. He's fantastic, tells a lot of great jokes. But there's a twist on who the werewolf is. Obviously, I've reviewed the movie before, so I can, I mean, I guess technically I could tell you who it is. But just in case you didn't hear that episode, I'm not going to spoil it for you now. But it's fantastic when you find out who the actual werewolf is. The special effects are excellent. The werewolf, uh, still to this day, I think, uh, you know, up until Dog Soldiers was the best looking werewolf. He was super scary. The music is great. And I told you last episode, I love commentaries. You know, the, that's the thing that sold me with Odd Thomas. You have the the sister is commentarying the whole movie, you know. And of course, in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, well, she's going to live at the end, you know. But I love those kind of movies that just commentary and just kind of bring it instantly brings you into the world. So the score is fantastic. It's very reminiscent of John Carpenter's Halloween. It's very simple, maybe three or four notes, very effective. There's a lot of great cinematography in the film, much like Halloween. Uh, there's characters that I absolutely love. You know, Corey Haim is a lot, uh, you know, younger than Laurie Strode was, but Laurie Strode was very likable. And so is Corey Haim's character. He's very likable, just like his uncle is. Everybody is likable in Silver Bullet. And you almost feel bad for the werewolf when you're just like, wow, that guy's the werewolf. I can't believe it. And uh, like I said, the ending, the, the last 10 minutes of the movie still scare the piss out of me. You know, and I'm not ashamed to say it, but I've let my daughter watch this. You know, there's some parents that are like, oh, I'm never going to let my kid watch a horror movie. They got to be old enough. You know, I don't care about that crap. You know what? I was a little kid watching all these horror movies, watching Freddie and Michael Myers get all, tear all these people up. You know, I hid it from my parents. I want my daughter. I want to know what she's watching. You know, 
I want her to experience these movies like I did as a kid. So yeah, I sit down with my daughter and I watch these movies with her. And you know what? She has the same fears uh, at, at the certain scenes that I do, you know? And if people don't like that, I don't care. You know, that's just my attitude on this situation. And it's just, it's awesome to relive my childhood through my kid uh, being scared at the same scenes I did. Everywhere she jumps in Silver Bullet is exactly where I jumped as a kid. It's awesome. You know, it's it's definitely good times. So with that being said, Silver Bullet is definitely my number three. And uh, it actually has been there for about 15 years. Halloween 1, 2, and Silver Bullet have not moved off of my top three list for sure. The rest of these have uh, have rearranged. Some have been added. Some have been removed. So uh, with that being said, let's roll on to number four. Alright, so number four. Now obviously you can usually tell what this is because of the clip that I play prior to actually announcing the movie. Or maybe I don't play a clip because I wasn't able to edit that part in. So uh, needless to say, you already know what number four is. But that is A Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, I've gone on record during my review of the Nightmare on Elm Street series and said Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is my favorite of the bunch. However, I had to really examine this to determine that even though three is my favorite, one is the better film for a couple different reasons. Number one, uh, Freddy Krueger, of course, is the man that probably scared me more than uh, anybody else. I mean, Michael Myers is my boy. Uh, he's my favorite of all of the horror icons, but he was just he was too cool. You know, Freddy Krueger was just like, this guy scares the hell out of me. and This guy is in my dreams and stuff. I mean, there's multiple years non-stop that I dreamt about this guy. And it wasn't until finally in my dream, I'm like, you know what? You're just a dream. I had to pull the whole Nancy crap. You're just a dream. You don't scare me. And then I became like some superpower guy and I beat the crap out of him. And that was the last time I ever dreamt about Freddy Krueger. So that's a true story, by the way. Now l- let's talk about some of the comparisons of this movie that especially relate to Halloween. You know, we got a simple theme song, you know, the Halloween theme song, very creepy, only three or four notes. Same thing goes with, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. There's a, there's that simple little piano that sounds like maybe two or three notes. Very creepy. They usually play it whenever Freddy's on. Uh, I like the fact he's called Fred Krueger in this one. Just like in Halloween, you don't see his face until you get towards the end of the film, which is fantastic. Uh, I think even Robert England didn't really know how to play him because he, he, he this is definitely the darkest that we get a Freddy Krueger until we get the new nightmare. You know, they they hide his face a lot. There's really no jokes. He's really disgusting, very dirty. I think the only scene that really doesn't make sense is when his arms are stretched out and they're like 50 miles long, whatever. But it's supposed to represent you're supposed to be in a dream, right? It's got some fun mistakes in the movie that kind of give a character just like Halloween. You know, in Halloween, we would see palm trees or we'd see somebody smoking and the and the smoke would go across the screen. In Nightmare on Elm Street, clearly, when Nancy's going up the stairs, you can see where she's supposed to step. Uh, Freddy falls off of the... 
uh, out of Nancy's room, off the balcony, lands on a bed and and falls down the stairs, which they've recently changed. When you watch the movie on cable, they, they cut that part out. They kind of shrink the screen a little bit there. But it has a lot of character to it. You know, it, it was done on a low budget, you know, and just like just like Halloween was done on a low budget, you know, his uh, his knives are are excellent. Uh, you know, the movie is simple, although when you get to the end of the film, it's a little bit convoluted, you know, Halloween very simple. You know, even a kid can understand it. When you get to Nightmare on Elm Street, Everything makes sense. Freddy's in your dreams. You could pull Freddy out. But all of a sudden, when you get to the end of the movie and Freddy has his mom and all of a sudden goes down in the bed and then all of a sudden Nancy turns his back, wakes up, she's outside. You're supposed to get the impression that was the whole movie a dream? Was she in a dream? Was that reality? It's kind of convoluted, but they've talked about that when you watch the making of it. There's supposed to be three different types of ending all put together. But needless to say... The whole movie works up into that point. You know, the introduction of Johnny Depp, most pretty much every character is likable just like they are in Halloween. But the fact of how simple it is, you got an excellent score, you got an excellent premise, it's very creepy, it's very scary. Uh, it's fantastic. Now three obviously is the fun one. You know, that's the one where you get to learn about how to be a dream warrior. And that's where Freddy starts to tell jokes and stuff. So three is my favorite, but one, one is the one that has the most scare factor. It's the scariest one out of the bunch, uh, arguably next to uh, new nightmare, but I actually think it's probably the scariest and then new nightmare would be number two, but it's definitely number four, man. It's a fantastic film. It, it, it put Freddie as my number two guy. Now, as far as solidness of a series, you know, I got one, two, four, uh, is excellent. H2O is excellent. Five is, uh, it's an average movie. It's not that great. Six isn't that great. And then of course, resurrection is terrible. When you get the the Nightmare on Elm Street, one is excellent. Two is a piece of crap. It's like Rob Zombie 2. I don't know what the hell they were thinking with two. I don't even know how the hell they were able to make part three because part two was so bad. But you get three, which is excellent, which should be, you know, I always skip two. I just do one, three, four. Four super fun. It's like an MTV movie. You know, it had a lot of uh, money put into it. So like one, three and four are super fun. You get the five and it's complete. Like what the hell is this? The dream child. And then uh, Freddy's dead is, is not too bad. And then new nightmare is excellent. I love Freddy versus Jason. So it's the second, like the second most solid series for me. I can pick and choose and there's more good in Nightmare on Elm Street than there is bad. You know, I would always skip two, I'd skip five, I'd skip maybe six and just stick with seven. So it has the most solidness uh, after Halloween. So Nightmare on Elm Street number one though is definitely the best of the series. Still scary, still holds up to this day. Good times. All right, let's roll into number five. Listen, asshole. No, you listen to all right, now my number five on my list is probably higher on a lot of other people's lists. Maybe number two, maybe number three, hey, maybe even number one. And that's perfectly fine. And that's Scream. Scream is definitely a movie that saved the genre, if you will. I mean, of course, Halloween, uh, it's not the grandfather. I like to consider Psycho to be the grandfather of them all. But Halloween is really the one that said, hey, look, we can do a scary movie that people enjoy with very little to you know very little blood very little money and make a lot of money off of it of course they went in this movie 
to have fun. I'm sure they didn't go in there thinking they were going to be the most successful independent film uh, for quite a long time until that got taken away by the Blair Witch Project. And then, uh, of course, Paranormal Activity, I think, broke that record. But Scream came around at the perfect time. Kevin Williamson, uh, of course, used Halloween throughout this movie which is another reason why it should be on this list because it's uh, almost comparable to Halloween, but for the 90s, if you will. Now, Kevin Williamson is a guy who has a lot of smart dialogue, just like uh, Joss Whedon likes to do. He's got smart dialogue. Um, you know, Kevin Williamson's a guy that really understands teenagers. You know, I definitely want to go as far as and say he's like the next uh, John Hughes or anything like that, but the guy is pretty smart. He he knows his dialogue, what teenagers think and want to say, and he used Halloween as a blueprint. Now I've you know of course recording Scream with Jameson did the review. Uh, the movie has some screw ups, timeline screw ups, which of course uh, Halloween has timeline screw ups, and you know, of course, I brought those forward, and that helps give a character. You know, this one was more of a, it really pissed me off, you know, because you're referencing Halloween and you're playing the same scene over and over again, and it doesn't make sense in the movie. But it was more nitpicking than anything during that review. But taking Scream as a whole, uh, fantastic. I mean, of course, we have Drew Barrymore, who you think is the star of the film. And they and they kill her off in the very beginning. I love the dialogue about, you know, go down to so-and-so's house and make a phone call, which is referencing Halloween. You know, if you watch the unrated version of Scream, they, they spent a long time, a long shot of Drew Barrymore hanging in the tree with the big hole in her stomach. It's really gross looking. But it was a great way to scare you, those opening moments. There's a lot of trivia with Halloween. And I really like the fact that, with Wes Craven directing, you know, he even kind of jabbed himself by saying all the Nightmare on Elm Street sucked after part one. And he even did New Nightmare, which I thought was cool. But Scream was just a very intelligent film. And to be honest, we really haven't had as smart of a horror movie since then. You know, I did go off and say Your Next was really fun to watch because how smart it was for the heroine. But let's be honest, Scream 1 is in a class by itself. Scream 2 and 3, yes, they're good, but they really can't touch the awesomeness of the first one. You know, it's like number one is like, a, you know, 10 out of 10 and 2 and 3 are like maybe 7 and 8, if you will. Now, as far as like the score of the film, I'm not a humongous fan of, you know, I definitely feel that the other movies, the score does a much better job, which is probably why Scream is kind of lower on my list compared to the other ones. Music goes a long way for me. You know, you guys know I am a music guy. I mean, that's I do a side show of music, the STL Underground Hour, where we just do plain music. You know, score goes a long way. I mean, just look at the story of John Carpenter's Halloween where he showed it to people without the music and nobody thought it was scary. But, you know, you put that music on, you put that score on, and you're scared out of your mind, you know. And, and the score goes a long way. It's basically like it's a, it's its own character, you know. It, it really makes a film or breaks a film. And I definitely feel that the score of Halloween 1 and 2, Silver Bullet, Nightmare on Elm Street are stronger than the score and scream. Now, uh, if you like the score and scream way better than the other ones, that's fine. Just for me... I think it, it works for the film. 
I just don't like it as much as the other ones, which, you know, definitely kind of gives it a little knock for me. I don't even know if I talked about that in the review, but music is really uh, what's helped driving my list this time around of the score. How is it making me feel? Do I feel scared? You know, do I feel invested in the character? You know, like I said, music goes a long way. And, uh, and Halloween H2O uses a lot of the music in this movie. And it just, you know, some people like it, other people don't. And I'm just one of those that are just like, it, it's, it's cool, but I'm not in love with the score. You know, that's probably one of the reasons why it's my number five. But I give full respect to the story. The story is great. I love the fact that there was two killers. I never saw that coming. It had a shocking beginning. It had some great chase scenes. It always made you think this person did it, this person did it. You know, if you want to hear my full review on it, Jameson and I, we reviewed this movie last year. So we go way into depth into this film and just the impact that it it brought to the genre and the impact that it left. But just overall, I would say it's my number five for sure in my top ten. So let's move on to number six. I said talk to me, damn it, or else I'm going to throw you in the fire. You stupid bitch, you filthy slut. All right, so number six, good old child's play. Wow, this movie is, uh, it's still crazy how scary this movie is today. You know, um, I saw this movie when I was a kid, first time I saw Chucky. And again, just like with Halloween, you know, we have a slow build. You know, we we really don't see the killer until, at least in this movie, it's halfway. You know, with Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, you know, with Silver Bullet, you really didn't see the were you know you didn't see the werewolf till like almost halfway through the film. You didn't see Freddy till towards the end of the film. You didn't see Michael Myers till towards the end of the film. And, I, and when I'm talking, you know, full reveal, I'm talking full reveal. You know, not just side of face here. You know, arm here. I'm talking like full reveal. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Same thing with Chucky. You know, you you saw him as a doll. But you didn't see him as the alive doll until he comes alive in her arms. It's like, you stupid bitch, you stupid. You know, he's gonna, he's punching her and wants to bite her and throw her into the fire. That's like almost halfway through the film when she finds out he has no batteries. Still looks excellent, man. I mean, the special effects in this movie are top notch for sure. You know, some of the things that really remind me of Halloween is just like the great cinematography shots, you know, especially one of the shots in the kind of the beginning where the babysitters, uh, you know, put Andy to bed and she's reading and you have Chucky run by. And of course, it could be a, a kid playing the part or maybe a small person, but just the way it looks very effective. The score, very effective. The score itself, just like with Halloween, is uh, is simple, not too crazy. Uh, it's got great moments. There's a lot of great special effects. The blood-wise really isn't as bad. Uh, of course, that gets real crazy later as the series goes on. But there's some blood moments, but not nearly as bad as, like I said, the series will continue. There's more thrills and chills in this movie, which makes it the best. You know, of course, a lot of people are afraid of clowns and and dolls, as we know with Annabelle coming out. You know, people still have a fascination of being afraid of dolls. So this is just the perfect movie, just to you know pull at your strings of terror 
And and this movie still does that and do, and does it very effectively. You know, of course, the cop who is, uh, you know, the main vampire in Fright Night. It's great seeing him, you know. And, of course, it's filmed in Chicago. So there's a lot of different scenes in this movie that I recognize, you know, uh, or maybe a street that I used to live by. So it's very cool, very effective. Uh, arguably, Child's Play 1 is the best of the series. Now, I, I have a heart, uh, I should say, you know, soft spot in my heart for Bride of Chucky because it's just so funny. You know, it's completely different than the series. You know, I recognize that, you know, Child's Play 1, 2, and 3 is a really great trilogy. Uh, I just, I love the way Chucky looks in that movie. It's it's real funny. It's off the wall. It's ridiculous. And I think that's why I enjoy it so much. I watch it as a comedy. I never watch it as a horror film, you know. And I know some people really enjoy that movie and a lot of people hate that movie, which is perfectly fine. But, uh, you know, scare-wise, Child's Play 1 is the best. And, and I know it's still effective to this day when my wife, any day of the week, would want to watch Bride of Chucky and laugh. But when I put on Child's Play, she'll tell me to turn it off. She she does not want to watch that film. That tells me the lasting power of this film of how scary it is. So, good times. Great score. Uh, great story. It's very simple, just like Halloween is. Uh, anybody can Anybody can go along with it. Very effective, great cinematography, and great effects. Very great effects. So uh, that is it for number six. So let's move on to number seven. There may be some spiders around here that are very dangerous. Dad, chill out. Just run. They spread out from a central nest in a web-like pattern and dominate the entire area. When that happens, this town is dead. Better uncorked by private stock. Alright, so number seven is a movie that I just recently posted in the STL Nation that I, I was watching and it still scares the beep out of me, if you will. And uh, one thing that, there's two things that I hate, I should say three. There's three things that I hate in this world. One, snakes. Two, bats. Now, I love Batman, but I hate bats. I'm like Bruce Wayne, I'm terrified of bats. And three, spiders. Uh-uh. And uh, in my opinion, the scariest spider movie in the world and has never been topped since is Arachnophobia. Good old Jeff Daniels. Uh, This movie is, uh, for those of you who may not remember, this is kind of like a late 80s, early 90s film. had Jeff Daniels in it where there's this spider in Venezuela who is uh, a very, it's a breed that has not been found yet. And one bite, and you are dead in about seven seconds. And it hitches a ride to America and finds this, you know, small town where Jeff Daniels is, had moved there from the city to be the town doctor. And of course, the, the main town doctor is a dick, doesn't want to uh, retire and give up his customers. And he has only one customer uh, or one patient, if you will. And this spider bites his only patient, kills her, and everybody thinks he's Dr. Death. And you and you finally come to realize that, you know, or they come to realize that it's the spider uh, species from Venezuela. Now, let's talk about the things that are, are excellent in this film. Number one, it's only rated, I believe, PG-13. So this is the only one on the list so far, not rated R. Uh, the score 
is beautiful. The score, as I told you, I'm, I'm talking about scores here. The score is really simple. It's really in the background. They actually have some funny moments. Anytime John Goodman comes on screen, they kind of light it up a little bit, kind of do some quick laughs, which which definitely releases the tension. But anytime there's a spider on screen, there's like this horn that plays very low key just to let you know that danger is coming. Now, of course, these spiders they use in the film are all you know, non-poisonous, you know, typical house spiders, but they look ugly as sin, terrible. And they use this big ass tarantula as the as the main, you know, badass group of them all. But here's why it's so freaking scary. Number one, this could really happen. I mean you your house gets infested with spiders all over the place. It's legit, man. And of course, let's hope and pray we never find a species that is so deadly it mates with the typical house spider and then creates generals that go all around your town and murder people. Uh, but that's what makes it so scary is the fact of I still jump. There's this thing with horror movies that I don't jump. I very rarely jump. Maybe like the first time I see a movie I jump and then going forward I never jump again. But this movie, uh-uh, man. When that spider's on top of the shower and that girl's taking a shower and jumps on her face and goes down her boobs to her stomach and all of a sudden she's standing on and screaming, uh-uh, I am jumping, okay? When the spider goes in the toilet and the dude's going to do some business and you're like, oh my God, he's going to bite? Uh, no, I'm jumping, okay? And then you get to the end of the movie where the house gets you know, attacked by the spiders and one of them jumps on Jeff Daniels. I'm like, uh-uh, you know, I'm jumping. You know, the big showdown in the wine cellar. I'm, I don't care if I know when the spider's going to jump out. Even when it jumps out, I still jump. It's crazy. This is the most effective spider movie. I think the fact that makes it work so good is the fact that these are real spiders. These aren't some stupid CGI crap that we have to deal with today. These are legitimate real spiders that look scary as hell. And this is a fantastic story. It's very simple. Again, that's the that's the going theme here is we got a fantastic score. We got a simple storyline that anybody can go along with and that's what makes it so effective so arachnophobia still to this day the greatest spider movie and the scariest spider movie and and number three no spider movie has been able to even touch it touch this movie can't even light a candle to this movie it's so effective to this day so fantastic uh greatest spider movie you're ever going to come in contact with it's definitely my number seven on my list so uh with that being said let's roll into the number eight spot god is in his holy tent earthly thought is silent now you're gonna die in there all of you you are gonna die All right, so number eight. Now, number eight, oof, talk about the Willies, man. If anything gives me nightmares to this day, it's not Freddy Krueger. It would be the villain of this story, and that would be Poltergeist 2. Now, Poltergeist 2 is the only sequel on this list to not have the first one attached to it. Now, in a lot of people's minds, Poltergeist 1 is better than Poltergeist 2, which I'm totally fine with. I'm not going to argue that. I mean, Poltergeist 
is great. It's rated PG. Here's the thing with Poltergeist 2. Oh my gosh. The Reverend in this story is so damn scary. When this guy is walking in the rain and he's singing, you know, God is in his holy temple and you just see death all over his face, it probably helps for the fact of number one, this actor legitimately was dying okay he was dying of i believe it was cancer he only had like a few weeks to live so he's like sure i'll play some creepy ass old guy that's trying to go after carol ann oh my gosh this guy is fantastic i don't care of the fact of how scary the first one was this guy took number two to a whole new level so this guy's name is reverend henry kane right and there's this indian uh, his name is Taylor, and he comes in to help the family basically defeat uh, Cain. And that's kind of where you find out how he was the, the cult leader that basically had everybody killed underneath the house, and that's what makes the house go crazy. The worm scene, okay, so the reverend possesses, he's like this worm, right? And, you know, the dad, Craig T. Nelson, he's drinking some whiskey. He drinks the worm, and all of a sudden, he becomes possessed by my by Mr. Kane here. And he starts to look at Carol Ann all creepy, like he wants to rape his own daughter. It's a fan, it's a scary, creepy scene. It's just, it blows away anything that happened in the first one because you're just like, dude, how can you look at your daughter that way? And then he goes and he attacks his, his wife, uh, Joe Beth Williams, basically rapes her right in front of his kids. And then he pukes out, uh, he pukes out Kane and he, he, oh, you know, Freddy versus Jason tried to do like this Freddy worm and they ripped it off of Poltergeist too. Because this worm is crazy sick looking. I'm telling you, I get nightmares from this movie. Anytime I have Kane in my head, the next night I'm dreaming about this guy. God is in his... I mean, this guy makes you not want to ever go to church ever again. Because of the fact of this is the this is the, the, the crazy reverend that you know went psycho and, and used God to, uh, to do his evil... Ugh. It's, I don't even want to talk about it. It's so creepy. It's disgusting. This movie is the best of the series, hands down. Part three is ridiculous in some stupid building, and you have some other guy playing Kane. But this this is it, man. This is the top of the food chain. I, I give Poltergeist one, like a nine and a half out of ten. This one's a ten. I mean, this one is is perfect. Now, granted, the ending is kind of crappy. Special effects. When they get Carol Ann back with the angel stuff. It, but you know what? This movie's been so solid the whole movie. You forgive it. So it's fantastic. I mean, I, I could easily move this up the list any other day. But for today, it currently sits at uh, number 8. So, with that being said, let's roll into number 9. Get the baby! All right, guys, number nine. You know, I sound so excited. Like, this is number two, and the next movie is number one. But these movies are so awesome. I'm so excited about it. It's like I don't really care the fact that it's number nine because this whole top ten is just its fantastic, the whole list. So uh, number nine actually was number ten, but I switched it to number nine. And when I get to number ten, I'll explain why I switched it. But this is another Stephen King story, and that would be uh, Pet Cemetery. 
Uh, this is another Stephen King book that I actually read. I don't do a whole lot of reading, but I would say for the Stephen King stuff, I read Cycle of the Werewolf and Pet Cemetery. There's a lot of interesting things in the Pet Cemetery book. Some extra stuff that obviously didn't make the movie, but kind of makes things a little bit more interesting between the husband and the wife. But this movie is scary for a lot of different reasons. Uh, number one, the kid. Now, I love Gage. Gage, of course, would grow up to be... Uh, a fantastic horror kid. Uh, we first saw him in Full House, and then he would uh, be in this movie. Then we would le- later see him in Kindergarten. You know, cop boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. You know that kid. Then he would go on to be a New Nightmare, where he would play uh, Heather Langenkamp's son. So I love this guy. He was also in Mercury Rising with uh, Bruce Willis. So this kid, he's awesome. He's good times. He's super cute. Man, when he gets like murdered by that truck, man, gave me the willies, I'm telling you. Now, uh, with Silver Bullet, you know, watching it as a kid, I was in the shoes of Corey Haim, of, or I should say the wheelchair of Corey Haim. You know, I was going through that adventure with him. It was like I was him. But in this movie, you're just scared because of the fact of, number one, you 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 bury these things in a pet cemetery. They come back from the dead and they're worse. And when you have this cute little kid come back from the dead and he is just the devil, it's really creepy. You know, I've done a whole episode on Pet Cemetery before, so I'm not going to get into a whole lot of detail. But much like the other movies on this list, we have a really good score in this film. Um, obviously, it's not as strong as, you know, clearly because it's not higher up on the list I would definitely say, you know, these scores are getting weaker as we go on. But I like the fact of how simple the movie is. You know, it's pretty basic. Uh, Anybody can really follow along with this story. There's not a lot of blood in the film, which, which definitely helps. Scream would definitely be the most violent of my whole entire list that I have going on here. But that's okay. Because Scream is kind of in its own special category. Now I guess technically I should probably take that back. I mean come on. There is a lot of violence in Halloween 2. And there's a lot of violence in Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean Tina does get torn to pieces in that one. Scream is the more recent of the bunch. You know there's creative kills in that one. Uh, but Pet Cemetery is just... Uh, it's more thriller, I guess, you know, uh, unlike Scream, this one, it doesn't have a lot of kills, you know, uh, the the sister with the bone disease, really creepy, of course, you know, Gage, when he comes out and he kills, you know, once he cuts that Achilles heel, man, I was holding my foot for weeks, it's crazy, I always did think, though, that Gage should look way more jacked up than he really did, I mean, that truck was going like 100 miles an hour, you get smashed. You should look like one of those squirrels on the street. Not no kid that just has a little cut on his head. But, you know, you forgive it for a movie's sake, if you will. But that's one of the things about Pet Cemeteries. There's a lot of uh, a lot of thrilling moments. You know, just the cat coming back with the with the eyes that are just like, you know, she it's hissing. And there's just a lot of scare moments that reminisce to Halloween that I really, really enjoy. You know, and of course the ending is crazy when he thinks that his wife is going to come back and she's messed up in the head. I really like the guy that only has like half a face look way worse than Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight. That guy's trying to help him the whole time. So it's definitely a creepy movie. It's good times. So with that being said, let's roll into our final movie. Number 10. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No, it's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian, 
Or a vampire. Are you guys sniffing old newsprint or something? You think you really know what's happening around here, don't you? Well, I'll tell you something. You don't know, buddy. Yeah. You think we just work in a comic book store for our folks, huh? Actually, I thought it was a bakery. This is just our cover. We're dedicated to a higher purpose. We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. All right, so the final one on the list. Now, the reason why this one got switched uh, from number 9 to number 10 is because there's a lot more fun factor in this movie than there is scares, but it definitely needs to be in a top 10, and that is The Lost Boys. So The Lost Boys is easily the greatest vampire movie there is. Now, you know, Blade... We can put in this argument, but technically Blade is a Marvel comics. So obviously Lost Boys is a horror movie. It has nothing to do with comic books. And there's legitimate scary ass crap that happens in the Lost Boys. There is a lot more fun factorness that happens in the Lost Boys, which is why I switched Pet Cemetery from number 10 to number 9 and this one to number 10. So let's talk about the Lost Boys. Still to this day, I have not found a vampire movie that tops this one. You know, of course, I've reviewed this movie before. Much like Silver Bullet, it has a special place in my heart where any werewolf movie needs to match up to Silver Bullet and any vampire movie needs to match up to the Lost Boys. There's some excellent scares in this movie, of course. Uh, It's got a really good soundtrack, you know, not just score, but actual soundtrack. You know, of course, I make fun of that guy that's like, I still believe, and he can't match up his own words to his lyrics. It's just, he looks real stupid. But I've talked about that in the review. But music-wise, a lot of good songs in here. Keith Sutherland does an excellent job of being the leader. The makeup looks fantastic. Of course, this is Joel Schumacher who went ahead and made this movie. But, you know, one of the running themes that I've been talking about every movie is the music, you know, the score. Now, this movie in particular has a has a song much like, I, I guess I would say Halloween 3, you know, uh, you know, Silver Shamrock song where it has lyrics and it gets stuck in your head. Same thing goes with the Lost Boys. There's the Cry Little Sister song, which... You have the little kids in the background doing thou shall not, you know, and they're going through various things like thou shall not kill and stuff like that. So obviously they're going through like the Ten Commandments and stuff. But it's done in such a fantastic way. It's creepy. It sounds awesome. It gets stuck in your head. They play it at the right moments like before vampires show up. They start to play that. Um, it's really good. I mean, there's definitely some funny moments throughout the film between Corey Haim and Jason Patrick. And there's some funny moments with, uh, Corey Haim or Corey Feldman, of course, but the showdown between, you know, them, the frog brothers versus, uh, the vampires in the house. And that's some scary crap, man. When they got it, they're, they're all alone in the bathroom and the dog comes to the rescue and throws the vampire in the water. Just the whole showdown is fantastic ending to the film. When they got to go in the cave and try to kill the leader, they hit the wrong guy and Keith Sutherland wakes up and says, you're dead meat. All scary. It's all legit. You know, again, it's more fun than it is scary. But overall though, it's super it's definitely the best vampire movie I've ever seen. Um, I'm waiting for a vampire movie to top this. Again, the Blade series is fantastic in its own right. I, I don't like to consider it within the vampire, you know, top scary movies because Blade's not scary. It's just badass. 
But when I'm talking scary movies, obviously Twilight can't hold a candle to The Lost Boys. Now, John Carpenter's Vampires is really good. I would definitely say that's an honorable mention. But, you know, Cream of the Crop, The Lost Boys would be number 10 and would be the best vampire movie for sure to be on this list. So with that being said, guys, that is it for the list of the top 10. Again, I I really hope you did enjoy it. I had a lot of fun putting it together. A lot of it was easy. Some of it uh, was a little bit difficult. Now, there's definitely some honorable mentions, ones that uh, would easily be within like, you know, 11 to 15, you know, Stir of Echoes. With Kevin Bacon is is definitely great. It's fantastic. Gives me the chills. Uh, I would definitely say The Reef is one of the newer movies that I watched. This is a, a a British film, I believe it is, and it's real life footage of great white sharks. It's about this couple, um, about four people. They get stuck in the middle of the ocean and they have to swim to an island. And they don't realize that there's great white sharks that are surrounding them. The film is gorgeous. It looks beautiful. Unfortunately, it was removed from Netflix a couple weeks ago. But it's right up there in regards to you know favorite shark movies. Jaws is definitely a fantastic film. Um, I would definitely say The Fifth Power with uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. Creepy as hell. Shocker. Uh, it's it's more cheesy than anything. Return to Oz, I always consider to be a horror film, not no kids movie. That's definitely an honorable mention. But uh, I, I would definitely say Stir of Echoes is, is up there. Now, I do reserve this list for The Exorcist. Unfortunately, this would be one of those movies that is classic movies Masoonis has never seen. I've never seen The Exorcist. I know all about The Exorcist. I know all about the... You know, Linda Blair turning her head around, but I've never watched the movie from beginning to end. So unfortunately, that's probably why you're like, well, why didn't that hit your list? That would be the reason why. I don't want to put a movie I've never seen on a list. doesn't make any sense. So I do reserve the spot in case I do watch the film and I'm like, okay, it definitely fits into my top 10. I definitely want to reserve that movie uh, whenever I get to it, to be fair. So with that being said, guys, that's it for my list. I do have some emails. So let's get into the STL Nation and hear what they had to say. It's almost time, kids. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy, happy 
All right. Now, we do have a new member of the STL Nation. Callan wrote in. Uh, thank you so much, Callan, for writing in. He wrote in about Rocky Four. talked about the 100th episode. So I am going to save your email for the next episode, sir. That way everybody can hear it. Uh, there's some people that uh, like Halloween, some that don't. So I want to make sure that uh, I'll read it on a movie review. That way everybody hears what you have to say. So thank you, Callan, for writing in. I will read that on the next episode. So I have two emails for, actually, I got three three emails so the first one comes from jameson very good rabbit good times here's what he had to say hey mike it is i america's co-host coming to you from beyond to give you my two cents on scary movie time initially i was just going to give you a single line saying horror movies suck but i decided against that well thank you sir instead i'll throw a few of my thoughts at you i much prefer old school monster movies to modern day garbage horror movies which I agree, sir. I definitely understand. They're just so great. I prefer suspense thrillers over slashers that all seem to follow the same paint by number story beats, which good. Yeah, I I agree, sir. You know, again, in my last episode, I was talking about a thriller uh, faces in the crowd. That was a fantastic thriller. But I hear you, man. Thrillers, man, they get you going. Remember the thriller with uh, what's his name? From Star Wars uh, Episode 1, 2, and 3, Hayden uh, Christensen, I believe it was, where uh, every time they would put him under and he would be awake when they cut him and stuff. Oh, man, that, that was a crazy movie. I can't remember the name of that one. Uh, he said, and as everyone knows, keep your shaky cam out of my scary movies. Having said that, I love the first two Halloweens. Good, sir. Uh, Stir of Echoes. Excellent. Dial M for Murder. Now, I believe there's a remake of Dial M for Murder. I can't remember. So you'll have to let me know which one it is that you dig. The Exorcist, which, again, I reserve for this list when I finally see that. Romero's classic zombie flicks, The Omen, the original Chang, Chang, uh, Changeling, and Let the Right One In. Let the Right One In, um, I watched the kind of beat-by-beat, scene-for-scene remake, uh, Let Me In, with uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Fantastic movie. It was awesome. Um, There are three that affect me at an early age and still root out that fear only youth brings. The birds, which it's true. Jameson has a very deep scare factor of birds, just like I with spiders, snakes, and bats. Jaws, and and Silent Night, Deadly Night. Good night. Good pick, sir. Those are my favorites, just off the top of my head. Looking forward to hearing your self-proclaimed STL legend, Jameson. Well, thank you, sir, for writing in. That's an excellent list, man. I definitely can't wait to check out. Um, I definitely can't wait to check out The Exorcist. Stir of Echoes. I I was I was rewatching that the other night. Man, it was crazy good, man. Crazy good. I would say it's like my number 11 on my list for sure. It is up there. It is so good. All right. The next one comes from Hurricane Andrew. Here's what he had to say. Hey, Mike, happy to have you back, man. Just wanted to write in and tell you that my wife got me into this show once upon a time, and I think it's the best show on TV right now. Not the manliest sounding show ever, but man, it's good. Anyway, a question. Would you guys ever consider doing a commentary track? Thanks, man. I'll be listening as always, Hurricane Andrew. Well, Hurricane Andrew, here's what I have to say, sir. Uh, Once upon a time, I'm glad you got into that show. My wife was a huge fan of that show. She recently stopped watching it. She never really gave me a reason why. I've never watched it, but I know all about it. I know that uh, one of the doctors from House is one of the leads in that show. 
Um, let's see. I also know that like they recently added Frozen to it, which is pretty cool. So I'm glad you like it, man. You know, I'm not ashamed to say I dig me some girl shows like Pretty Little Liars on ABC Family. I love that show. I think it has excellent writing. It's fantastic. Uh, Teen Wolf, you guys know my love and affection for Teen Wolf. It's fantastic. It's definitely up there in regards to my favorite shows. It's awesome. Uh, I think the girliest show that I like, though, would probably be Pretty Little Liars because of the fact of it's, a, it's pretty much an all-girls show. Uh, but it's fantastic writing. It definitely keeps you guessing the whole time. It's awesome. Now, in regards to commentary, sir, that is uh, an awesome suggestion. I have uh, thought about that a lot myself, to be honest with you. Uh, I for sure want to at some point do the Karate Kid commentary. I think that would be super fun. Um, you know, in regards to horror movie, there's only one I would ever want to do, and that's John Carpenter's Halloween. Just fantastic. There's so many things just to talk about in that one. Plus, doing the marathon, having someone to talk to during that was awesome. Um, you know, Jameson and I would definitely want to do a commentary track together, but I can guarantee this though. If I had to go solo, I would definitely keep it entertaining for sure. You wouldn't have to worry about no dead space or dead air. That's why I think the karate kid would be the most fun because there's so much that I notice or can talk about that. It would just be super fun. So I am all for a commentary track. I, I don't know how other fans feel about that. Maybe it would have to be like, yeah, I just recorded, throw it up as a bonus episode. Here you go. Uh, in regards to mo- what movies you'd want to hear, I mean, dude, I'd love to do the Dark Knight trilogy, man. I mean, that would be super fun for me to do that, uh, especially like uh, Dark Knight Rises since people hate on that film. There's so much crap that I would just love to point out and be like, look, this is why this makes sense to me or this is why this went down and all this and that. So uh, for sure, number one, I'd love to do The Karate Kid is number one, The Dark Knight trilogy, number two. Uh, and then like Halloween number three, whatever the case may be. So if you, if you're down for that, you know, you want to hear some movies, send it my way, you know, to be honest with you, um, I'm not sure this is going to be the case, but I honestly do feel that as time goes on, it's probably going to be, be me more solo than it is with Jameson on just because of the fact of I'm going to be getting a job soon. And I believe the job that I'm really hunting for would take away from the time that Jameson and I have set aside to do STL, but it's really good money. So I'm, I'm praying daily that uh, God blesses me with this job. That's what I'm really hoping for. And, uh, I would be all for doing commentaries. I feel, you know, I kind of feel like I'm, I might be going solo again and trying to get Jameson on as often as I can, but it feels like it'd be less and less and less. So I, and I, I don't want STL to die. You know, I started off solo, you know, it feels like it's going to go back to that, but you know, I hope that's not the case, but you know, if this job comes around, my life's going to change. You know, anytime you get a new job, things change. And Jameson and I only have a certain amount of time set apart to, to record because, you know, he's busy, I'm busy, you know, but we talk every day, you know, so it's a good time. So yeah, if, if, that turns out to be the case where you want to hear some commentaries. I am down. Let's record them. Let's get some out. Let's have some fun. I'm down for it. So send that request stlpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we have one uh, final email, and that comes from Time Traveling Peter. What's up, sir? Here's what he had to say. Greetings, Masunis and the STL Nation. Mike, 
It's been too long, my friend. Tell me about it, man. It's been like a month and it feels like four. I'm telling you, it's crazy. I hope all is well with you and the family and wishing you an early Halloween. Will you as well, sir? Congratulations on your podcast, man. Sounds like things are going well. You actually have another podcast, the Flashcast, right? Is that is that what it is? You, you got a Flash podcast. So those of you who like the show, the Flash, go check out uh, Hydrate Level Four. Check out the links to his Flash podcast because he's getting tweets from the cast of the TV show Flash. It's good times. So congratulations on that, sir. Uh, the horror genre isn't one of my favorites, so I don't actively go out and look for horror movies. Unlike myself. Uh, there's some I purposely avoid and there's plenty I want to see just haven't gotten around to it. So having said that I will list horror movies by how often I've seen them. So my numbers may not be the greatest horror film. It's just one I've seen the most often honorable mention wonder years. It's true. Wonder years is a scary show, sir. That's a joke, by the way. He goes on to say number 10 would be insidious, which is really good. I definitely like the Darth Maul demon. It's crazy. I did watch the girl who's in Insidious. She's in the movie Neighbors with um, Zac Efron. And uh, anyways, it wasn't that good. It wasn't that funny. I think I laughed like twice. So I give that one like three stars and that's being generous. So number nine, Stir of Echoes. Excellent pick. That's definitely my number 11. Uh, Number eight would be The Exorcist. Uh, which I still have to see. Number seven is Evil Dead, which is a great pick. Um, definitely, you know, and funny with Evil Dead, I definitely got to review those sometimes. Talk about Evil Dead 1 and 2 in the comparisons. And then, of course, Army of Darkness. Six, Drag Me to Hell. Now, this is a PG-13 movie. Drag Me to Hell is jacked up, especially the ending. The ending to Drag Me to Hell is almost shocking how crazy it is. That's a fantastic film. I definitely that would definitely be like in my top twenty. That would be on there. It's awesome. The Ring, number five. Unfortunately, I've never gotten into The Ring. I think because it had all this hype to it, all this hype to it. I watched it and I was like, ugh, this movie was dumb. So I think if I was just to take away all expectations and just rewatch the movie for what it was, I think I would dig it. Kind of like The Eye with Jessica. I think Jessica Alba, where um. I, she she gets blind or something like that that was really good i was really surprised but the ring just feels like you know kind of like the grudge it had all this expectation to it and it fell flat for me but it's one of those movies that i'm willing to re-watch again just to see if my thoughts change number four is halloween number three is scream number two is final destination now Final Destination almost made my list. It's definitely number 12. I love Final Destination. The first one. The first one is super scary. Excellent kills. Um, It is just so good. Of course, the other ones, they get ridiculous as you go on. But the first one with Devin Saw is excellent. Very good times. And number one is The Sixth Sense, which that's a really great pick. No doubt about it, especially if that's your number one. So a lot of the other popular titles I've probably seen once and just don't and just didn't make the cut. I'm sure for the horror fans, it was a lot tougher and I'm sure you've made many edits. I hope everyone had a good chuckle at my list and until next episode, time traveling Peter. Well, thank you, sir, so much for writing in good times. And that is it. Uh, from the STL Nation. And that's going to be it, guys, for the episode. I hope you enjoyed this. Hopefully, uh, my list didn't make you uh, roll your eyes too much. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. 
maybe some of it surprised you. Maybe it didn't. Overall, um, at least now you know what my top 10 horror movies of all time are. These are the ones that I definitely watch every single year. It's always a good time. It's always fun. And if you still want to write in, you know, even though you may have missed writing in for this episode, I still want to hear what you have to say. And we can read it on the next one. If you want to do so, it's stlpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to go to the website, www.stlpodcast.com. You can find links to everything you need to find. You know, the YouTube page, the Twitter Facebook, if you want to join the STL Nation group, Facebook group, very active there. You can go along there. If you like to listen to the show on Stitcher, the links are there as well. Plus, there's links to other shows like uh, all of Jameson's stuff. It's always a fun and good time. Now, as far as the next episode goes, chances are it's probably going to be an underground hour. I don't know yet in regards to like movie-wise what the next review will be. Maybe, you know, in the STL Nation, I'll throw up a vote or something like that. But I'm thinking I want to do an underground hour as the next episode just because it's been a little while since I did one of those and kind of get ready for the big one. You know, as you know, the end of the year is the top 20 singles of 2014 along with the top 10 movies of 2014. So that's going to be really fun in December. But I definitely want to do an underground hour, kind of showcase some new tunes I've been digging that are definitely probably going to be in the top 20 list. Maybe, maybe not. It'll be fun. And uh, overall, guys, it's uh, it's good to you know come back behind the mic and uh, hear from you guys. Thanks for the support. I got some personal messages from some of you guys just saying it was great to have me come back and throw an episode up, which was super fun to hear. And again, for the STL t-shirts, don't forget, if I haven't contacted you already, I will to get your address to get those STL t-shirts mailed out to you. And then maybe sometime down the line, we can do another contest and you can win an STL podcast t-shirt, which will be good times. So with that being said, guys, I am going to sign off in this episode. I'm going to leave you with a song that uh, is near and dear to my heart that I absolutely love. And, of course, fits for the Halloween-type theme episode. You guys have heard it before. It's a big fan favorite. Yep, yep. You know what song this is. It's a great way to close out the show. Great way to close out Oktoberfest. And I will catch you guys on the next episode. Until then, have a good one. Take care. Masuna's out. The secret side of me, I never let you see I keep it caged, but I can't control it So stay away from me, the beast is ugly I feel the rage and I just can't hold it It's scratching on the walls, in the closet, in the halls It comes awake and I can't control it Hiding under the bed, in my body, in my head Why won't somebody come and save me from this? Make it in But I can't control it Cause if I let
Get it.